This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to uh, the Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 132. And I'm stoked to be here. I have a, there's no better way to start the new year off than to speak with my man, Ryan Lee. I agree. I'm excited. New year, new opportunity. But before we do that, we've got to talk about uh, some of the stuff that's going on, I guess, huh? I know. It, it, uh, I, the, the headline that I saw uh, was, what was the headline this week? It was the Dow, no, it was the market, it was the overall market. It was the market's worst year in 84 years. Yeah. A worse opening opening day in 84 years. Well, I, I saw, I saw uh, uh, just a news article that I forwarded around yesterday that 76% of all market-based investors lost money last year. Last year? Last year. Oh, so 2015. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I had a spring sent me an article that said uh, the top like five richest people in the world lost like $9 billion in, in a day. Anyway, I mean, the, here, here's the point. I mean, obviously... You know, there's there's stuff like this is going to happen all the time. It's just you know ironic um, that it happened on the first you know first first day of the of the year. Um, but you know, looking looking back over 2015, there were some exciting things that that happened. I mean, you can look at the the progress of our of our country and the innovation that we're making, and and I think we're making strides. But at the same time, you know, you really look at finances and markets, and it is it's just a cluster. I mean, it's a it's a mess. Uh, and, uh, you know, you and I, we, we saw a movie, uh, recently and, uh, it was based on, uh, one of Michael Lewis's books and we, and we had, we had done, I think, yeah, you were on here a few months ago and we talked about, uh, Flash Boys yeah. and the, uh, the high frequency, uh, trading that's still actually going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing. There's, there's a hedge that. fund that went under like this week and they, they said, well, we are under because of all the high, high frequency trade. Our computers <laughs> aren't fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing how, I mean, in that book that he exposed how people exploit the system just based on the speed of their technology, they can make trades and they can put things in front of people but they've already acted on it and they're 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 putting lagging information. Yeah. So so today that's what we're going to get into. We'll, we'll we'll talk about one of the, the the headlines that's right in front of us which is what happened with China this week. Um but it, I think it perfectly segues into this this whole idea of the big short uh which I really which I really enjoyed. It's an adult movie mm-hmm. um but at the same time the acting was amazing and just some of the things that it brought out. I don't know if everybody understood it, but they did a good job trying to really bring some of the stuff that went down uh, to like the the basic level, and we we'll we'll go through that. But that's what that's the topic of today. I mean, it's most people won't be surprised. We're going to talk about just kind of market manipulation. We're going to talk about uh, the volatility of markets, how fragile they are, um, how universal they are, because you know China is other side of the world, but yet it's uh, you know it, it's difficulties spread throughout the entire world in 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 one day. Yeah. Right. So so looking at you know really where Americans have. Most of their savings, most of their retirement, most of their assets, it is all basically subject to uh, the whims of the markets, and which nobody really has much control over. And those that have a, a, a glimpse or an inkling of control, right, are are the insiders group, which you know know what to do with specific financial instruments in order to capitalize, which is not practiced by the typical mutual fund manager. That you know really is the the foundational financial tool of most Americans. Yep. So we're going to get into all of that, and you know, and I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a recurring theme, and hope you guys by now have um, really understood that you know money in the market is not a good or a bad thing. 
okay, money in the market, when you're using the market, really depends on the level of education you have. And really what we always say is because uh, most individuals do not have a really high level of financial education, they don't know what to do with, with market type of investing. But there are those, like our friend Andy Tanner, there are those that really do have a high level of education, and he actually teaches classes on it, where you can really understand uh, technical analysis, fundamental analysis, and you can understand different positioning and trades. Right, That is an educated investor. But most individuals who have money in, in the market are, are not educated. Right, They get educated to produce money that they're now giving to Wall Street, Right, in order to hopefully make a return, which is probably the most improbable thing that can happen these days, especially with you know just all the all the transparency that exists, um, you know all of the uh, other you know the universality of markets and how everything is intertwined. I mean, it's such a it's such a crapshoot. Well, and the interesting thing about it is, you know, it's not it's not an old model, right? It's a model that we've used for years and years and years, where people have gone to work, they've put their money in some type of a savings account, and and. By and large, that savings account, the market-based investment, went up pretty consistently up until about the year 2000. Mm. And from the year 2000 all the way to today, because of some of the things that are happening globally, you know, China, locally, inflation, some of the way the markets are manipulated, I mean, markets have been very, very volatile from 2000 all the way to, you know, to yesterday. Now. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you, you look at, you know, you look at the, the reasons why, and there's not one particular reason. There's all sorts of reasons. And it's interesting that, you know, right now, I think a lot of our, you know, the monetary policy associated with the world, right, is is not dictated based on a free market, right? It's dictated based on, you know, a governing body, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the Federal Reserve or the Bank of China, or I mean, there's all, there's all sorts, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, these bodies, depending on the country, right, that are really determining, you know, how much liquidity should we have and what interest rates should be. And when they do that, right, there's always a reason behind it, right? So when, when the Fed you know, in the early, you know, early 2000s when the dot-com crash uh, happened and then you had 9-11, I mean, Greenspan went in and, and smashed interest rates to all-time lows. Why did he do that, right? He wanted to stimulate, right? Now, was his, did, did he get what he wanted? Yeah, but there was always um, un, 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 unintended consequences, yep. right? And the unintended consequences, right, lead them to make another decision, which has other unintended consequences, and slow, so goes the, the domino effect. Well, and it takes away from the original invisible hand that the markets will self-correct if allowed to do so, right? I mean, if interest rates weren't artificially manipulated, the markets would dictate what is an appropriate level of interest. If it's up or down from where it is today, the markets would help dictate that. But you've got this, you've got this manipulation in there, and so we don't really know what's real and what's manipulated. Yeah, and that's the, and that's the thing. It's, it's the manipulation side of things but it's also when you know especially going back to 2001 and then you go to you know some of the legislation that was passed during the Clinton administration well, which essentially you know repealed Glass-Steagall which allowed investment banks now to participate in, in market activities and you saw a lot of you know some investment banks bailed out during the 2000 you know 8 2009 and when you when you have you know just more liquidity and you have all of this debt out there that is able to be combined with investment that is when you have the the whole idea of mal investment, and that's yeah. the whole Austrian business cycle, uh, which we've talked about before. Which is when you stimulate the markets, when you inject capital, there's more money in there than was earned, right? And there's more money than was in there that was earned. Now people are going to start to gamble, and that gambling leads to the the mal investment. And it's unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate that this continues to go on and on and on and on. But right now, it is what it is. I mean, it's it's happening. 
Um, I, we'd love to say that we don't want it to happen, but it's happening. So it's kind of like, what do you what do you do about it? So what happened on Monday is, and I knew you were telling me uh, yesterday about um, some people you've been working with that you know they saw what happened Monday. They watched some some movies and really got a better idea of like the just the gambling nature of of markets, and they wanted to, to take action. I mean, looking at what mo- happened on Monday, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, it was you know it was interesting that it happened on a you know the first the first trading day of the year. But at the same time, are you are you really surprised? And looking at China, you know, China is so over leveraged. I mean, it is. It's one of those. I mean, I always hear. I've heard some, you know, kind of some conspiracy theorists to say China is going to be the world's reserve currency. I'm like, really? I'm like, it's not going to be the look. Look at it. They're they're a you know a quasi capitalistic communist. I mean, it's how can you think that they would be able to be the world's reserve currency? Now, the U.S. we have our issues, right? But in the end, it's kind of like when people make those statements, it just comes really from an uneducated mind. And and yesterday or you know the Monday was a perfect example of that. Right. So with with China, I mean, I've heard that China is in a very similar situation as the U.S. was back in 2007 and 2008. Yeah. And I sent you an article, you know, about uh, some comments that uh, that Kyle Bass had said uh, or had made. And, you know, it really just it it showed that. And I, I'm going and doing due diligence. I'm assuming that Kyle Bass is a smart guy. I'm sure he's not going to just like throw out random statistics. But he, he basically they alluded in this article to the fact that, you know, China has 20 percent. But first off, their their uh, their their asset base, right, is mainly debt. The majority of it's debt. Right, which is mind-boggling, and then twenty percent of that, up to twenty percent, is basically non-performing. Mm. But that hasn't hit the marketplace yet. Wow! Right. So you look at some of the economic data that they had that caused this whole spark that riffled, you know, right that that uh, dominoed through through the world. You know, you have a lot of other stuff that's probably going on as well. And we were we were talking about this, which is, you know, going looking at like the Big Short, which we uh, which we watched uh, over the last couple of weeks. And knowing kind of what happened during 2008 and 2009, right, what was in the headlines during 2008 and 2009 versus all of these movies that have come out and have really portrayed exactly what happened. And I thought that was the interesting thing about the movie is um, the movie portrayed really these financial advisors at large. I mean, we'll just call it Wall Street, right? It, they, they portrayed the Wall Street environment to, to say, hey, the market's doing fine. The market's, you know, everything's okay with the market. There's no, there's no issues, you know, hold on. Uh, these are just little temporary hiccups. And what most people did, what most people did is they believed that, right? Um, they, they didn't have any control over their investment. They were speculating. The money managers that were handling the money, didn't, they didn't have any control over it. And there was only a select, I mean, literally a handful of people that saw the market for what it really was that saw the bubble, that saw the, the, the trepidation. And those guys had to fight the entire market at large not only just the market but the the crediting agencies the banks they had to i mean they they were literally standing up and screaming and and you know waving the red flag but no one listened to them yeah. until it was too late yeah there's there's so many things that we could pull from from that movie that was the first thing is that these i mean first off these guys that's one when i when i went through the book and and uh and, and watched the movie that's one of the things that that caught me that i didn't know before which was who really created uh, def- who really concocted the default swap? 
and and I you know I I wasn't aware there was a, a private equity or a, or a hedge fund. I, yeah. I I thought it was, um, you know, I thought it was more of these investment banks that really now they did create it, but the ones that mastermind it, right? Were the, were the guys that wanted the problem. They, they, there wasn't a way to short the housing market, yeah. right? Or to bet that it was going to go down. And these guys actually created it. But then what was interesting is that when you know when they when their bets came to fruition, right? There was no like pricing structure. Right. And so they couldn't like they had no idea what to anything was worth. Yeah. Right. Until those contracts. I mean, they're little contracts that those investment banks signed. The contracts that, you know, basically paid out when there was a, def- a certain default percentage on on securities. I mean, it was it was a fascinating movie because what it what it showed is that, you know, that whole that whole, you know, the debt game of the United States. And I guess the world for that matter, because China is going through it right now. But the debt game is really run by those that are that have kind of this they're intelligent, but that intelligence blinds them. Well, and the hard part about the intelligence, you mentioned it earlier, there's no way in in a global world where the world is flat and what happens in China directly affects and correlates with our markets here. There's no way to be able to analyze all of the pieces of data and make an intelligent accurate decision with the probable outcome. Yep. And that's why when you're in when you're in the markets because of all of the things and all of the manipulation and all of the the global economy and all of the different factors that are involved you can look at historical averages, but that gives you no indication of what will happen tomorrow or a month from now or six months from now or next year. You, yep. It really is a crapshoot. And that, you know, I, unfortunately, I went with uh, some really close family members. and, and oh, to the movie? Yeah, to the yeah, movie, yeah. right? And uh, after the movie, we, we, you know, we were just talking out in the lobby of the, of the theater, and two of the family members, they're right at retirement, right? And they, they've been through 2008, and they're just now recovering. They went through the dot com bust, and you know it took them a couple a couple years to recover from that, and they're they're two years away from retirement. And you know, coming out of that movie, a hundred percent of their investments are in these type of things that they don't control, and that raises a red flag. Are they going to be prepared for retirement tomorrow? Are they you know Are they not? They don't know. They don't know how to control it. They don't know how to dictate that. And they all they can do is really cross their fingers and hope, unless they're willing to look for a different solution. Yeah, it's all hope, yeah. and it's it's one of those things where. You know, they went through it twice. Yeah. And the hope that it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Like, what kind of what kind of hope is that? Um, I wouldn't say that that's hope, right? I, w- I would say that that is just, it's not, it's not logical. But here in the end, I think as human beings, you know, we, we, we want to look for this, you know, this positive end, end result. And we, we want things to all, to all work out, even though the means to do that we know are not correct. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how smart we are, but yet how irrational we become when it comes to, you know, thinking there's going to be these certain outcomes, right, based on really means that we know are really not working. Well, and here, here's, here's how we, we talked about this, because I, I think you're exactly right. But it all comes down to viable options, right? So I found out recently that I've got a gluten intolerance, right? Among many a- other food allergies. Yeah, you have, so you have you have uh, that could a, be a whole other podcast. Yeah, seriously, right? <laughs> avocado. You're allergic to avocado, no, right? No, avocado is my favorite food. So if oh, it's it avocado. I'll oh, okay. eat that. But dairy and nuts. Avo- and, like most people are allergic to avocado. And you're not. I so know. You're allergic to everything else. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it is kind of weird. But anyway, I found out that I'm gluten intolerant, right? And at first, it felt like I just couldn't eat anything, right? Until, you know, I did a little bit of research and I found that there were other options. And now I can make an intelligent choice. I know which restaurants to go to. I know which foods to select. I know what, what to, to avoid. do, right? But in the light of a financial f- decision, most people don't have a plausible alternative. Mm-hmm. They can look to Wall Street for solution A or solution B. 
But outside of Wall Street, what are their options for most people? They're not going to start a business probably, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to go out and learn how to become a real estate investor. There's no other options for most people good unless point. they know where to look. That's a good point. Yeah, so I think you know, looking at what what we do and the services that we we offer. I mean, our our tagline has kind of become you know building wealth outside of Wall Street mm -hmm. because it does provide that option. Because you're because you're right. You really look at the majority of individuals and what their what their options are when it comes to their four hundred one k. When it comes to you know the the savings that they have, they can either put it in the bank and earn nothing, right, or put it in the market. Really, most people are oblivious to the fact that there are other alternatives. They're actually easier. Right, but again, it just comes down to the level of education. But let's let's go back to that instead of going into you know what our our services are because I really, you know, we, we always we talk about the the reasons to look outside of the the box, really look outside of what you know the the conventional way of of, uh, of investing and building wealth is, and. It, Again, it's it's the insanity definition, right? And doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, and you know, looking at the, the behavior, whether it's your, you know, whether it's your close family members or whether it's other individuals. I mean, this these this behavior, um, this volatility, right? This cycle continues to happen over and over and over and over again, and there are so many signs that it's going to happen again. Yeah. And again, and again, and again, because one of the points I was I was trying to make is, you know, two thousand eight to two thousand nine. Right, what was going on then? What the news said. You look at you know Henry Paulson's testimony uh, testimonies. You look at uh, George W. Bush's. Uh, you looked at uh, Geithner's. You looked at all the players that were involved there, and what were they saying versus what was actually happening behind the curtains? And we're all privy to that now. There has been so, you know too big to fail, inside job. I mean the flash boy, I mean, maybe not flash boys, but the the big short. I mean now we know a lot of what went on during that time. Time, mm -hmm. Right, which was not portrayed in the news headlines. But did they even know? That's the question, right? Yeah. I mean, did they know? Did they? I mean, yeah. there's so much. There's so much going. Like you said, there's so much going on. The financial experts didn't even know, right? Mm -hmm. It was just such a small niche group, and in that movie, yeah. they portrayed it so well that you know these people who actually saw the problem, they came to their hedge fund managers or the brokerage managers or you know people who were above them that yeah. should have more expertise. And they laughed him out of the office yeah. and they said, you're crazy. You can't do this. You can't take investors' money and do this yeah. because they didn't see it. Markets always go up and we just go ahead on that assumption. Yep. And that's where you, know, you look at the end of the day and you know, markets are supposed to be able to honestly value something. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think that's possible because yeah. in the end, there's always human beings involved. And human beings, although we're brilliant – we're dumb. <laughs> and, you know, it's the, I think it was, it was Plato that says I'm the wisest man on earth, but, you know, the, it kind of paraphrased is, you know, I, the more I learn, the more I don't know, the more I'm, I'm the more I realize think. I don't know. But yeah. So I'll, I'll pull up that quote in, in a second. But uh, the idea is in the end, human beings have very, uh, have, have a huge amount of shortcomings. And I think in the big short, that's one of the things that was portrayed. And I think Wall Street has this mentality, which I think is very destructive. Uh, and I had sent this to you. I mean, we had, we had discussed, uh, you know, the Upper Limit book, um, which was written by uh, Gay Hendricks. And, and the Upper Limit book really talks about when individuals do achieve some element of, of success or some high high point, and, at that, and that's where they start making all of their mistakes. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he, he referenced uh, Boris Becker, Bill Clinton, lottery winners, professional athletes, movie stars, right? And what happens is, you know, they start off, you know, maybe as this, you know, this 
ordinary person, right? And then they put some effort into something, whether it's athletics or whether it's, uh, you know, the education, and they, they gain, right? And they achieve something. They achieve more and they achieve more. And what starts to creep in? The ego starts to creep in. When the ego creeps in, they're invincible, right? And now, because they're invincible, what do they start to do? Decline. They start to make They start to make decisions, right, that are poor decisions. Yeah. And what happens? Like with Boris Becker, that was one of the things that, you know, fired all of his coaches. He won Wimbledon, fired all of his coaches, thought he was the man, and then didn't win anything after that, right? So the idea the idea is with Wall Street, a lot of what was portrayed in these movies and what was portrayed in, in uh, The Big Short was the fact that you have these guys that had big egos. They were making huge bonuses. They were driving huge cars. They were living in big penthouses. And what started to happen? They started to make worse decisions and worse decisions and worse decisions thinking that they're invincible and the whole bottom fell out. Well, and it was, it was, I would say it was everyone, right? I mean, in that, you know, we see it in wall street, right? The markets only go up. The housing market only goes up. Our house only appreciates mm-hmm. jobs you know, and wages always. You're increase. always going to get a 3% increase yeah. in wages. And so, year. I mean, you know, from the top down to the bottom, you know, the, it was just amazing that how they portrayed that movie because they had, you know, people that had, you know, owned several homes working on very small incomes, just assuming that the value of that home would, would constantly go up and they could afford a new home or a bigger home yeah. next year and the year after than that. And the banks would lend to them on the same assumption. Yeah. And Wall Street operated under the same assumption. I mean, we just had this invincibility mentality mm-hmm. as a whole mm-hmm. that, that was really broken. And I think a lot of people are, have been scared or, tr- you know, they've been nervous about getting back into the market. But again, mm-hmm. going back to the, these family members, Outside of any other plausible alternatives, what else do they do? Yep. And I think, it come, you know, we talk a lot about the the economic value of certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, and there is, it's hard to quantify that, right? An economic value, how can you put a value on that? I think it's almost impossible, right? And really, I don't think you can even start to do it until there is loss. Yeah. And I'm assuming a lot of those that are listening have, have experienced loss. I've experienced losses before. Um, and it's it's one of those things where when you, when you lose, you start to look at what happened much differently than when you win. And going through market cycles, going through what happened this past Monday, going through, you know, other losses that you have inc- have have uh, experienced, right? It's really looking at that and saying, okay, why did that happen, and do I want it to happen again? And the way to do that is you have to change behavior, yeah. right? And changing behavior, maybe it's changing paradigms, changing your perspective, but looking for alternatives because, in the end, is there ever going to be absolute certainty in life? No. There's not. But there are definitely ways which you can mitigate it. And I think that's one of the things that we really strive for in our mission is is to provide that. And it's really to provide the ability for an individual to put their, you know, their finances and their wealth uh, and th- them take responsibility for it as opposed to giving that responsibility to others who have proven decade in and decade out. Um, that they have just been unsuccessful with it in the in the long run. Yeah. Well, and you gave a, an Albert Einstein quote earlier in this podcast where you said the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. There's another quote from from that brilliant man, Einstein, where he says, you can't solve problems with the same level of thinking that you use to create the problem. Yep. And so the only way to solve any of these problems, and, you know, going back to the people who actually saw the bubble before it happened, they had to... They had to challenge the traditional. They had to challenge the common level of thinking and look at it from a different angle. And only when they did that did they see a, the solution, did they see the bubble. And those people were, were, were by and large, outcasted because they were, they were pointing fingers at something that only goes up and that only gets better. And, you know, that, but they had a whole different level of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we do 
with our clients is we analyze finances completely different. I mean, the education that we offer here, it's such a 180 degree approach, right? We focus on control. We focus on economic certainty. We focus on looking at risk and probability and, and really making calculated, but more than that, educated decisions on what is right for you. Yep. I found that quote. Nice. I, t- I totally botched that quote <laughs> once I read it. It says, I'm the wisest man alive, for I know one thing, and that is I know nothing. <laughs> the, the idea was there, though. The idea was there. Yeah. But you're, you're right. It's, it's in the end, you know, I think there's, you know, you, you look at why, why we live in a, a modern society. Right. Why? Why do we live? Because we could, in a sense, go out and live on a farm and try to like live off the land. But we choose to participate in a a modern society that requires financial resources. And really what what we try to emphasize and obviously with our not obviously, but with the the, um, new launch that we we have for Paradigm, it's going to be coming out this quarter. You know, one of the one of the emphases that we're going to make is one of the most valuable assets that exist, which is the actual person themselves. And the person, most people do are never taught that they're an asset, right? They're never taught that in a sense that they are the ones that have value and produce money or human beings are the ones that have value and produce money. And so really looking at the education behind maybe shifting financial vehicles that are being used to, to save and build wealth. But it's also how to utilize those vehicles and how to really emphasize uh, what we're calling the business, the business of you. Because looking at these headlines, I mean, to me, they're just, it's not surprising anymore because I've seen so many of them. I've seen so many horror stories. I've read tons of books. I've a bunch of uh, documentaries. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's the same, different players, same story, yeah. different, maybe different time era. Yeah. And looking at just continuing to do that, it's just, it's just not going to work. But then what's the, you know, what's the direction you take you take your finances. Um, and that's where we're trying to emphasize is, you know, there are different vehicles out there that will pretty much do better than Wall Street. Uh, but then there's also ways in which you can enhance that wealth. And the first area is really talking about the business of, of you. Because in the end, that's we always talk about the fact that, you know, money is a representation of value created in a person. If they have money, it's basically a sign that they're the that they have value, right? Because someone was willing to pay them for their services, for their mind, for their abilities. Well, think about it. You, you mentioned it earlier. Think about all of the time, effort, and energy that goes into creating money. I mean, most people spend the majority of their life becoming educated so they can be a good employee, and then being in a good employee and earning money. But then we take the fruits of that labor, right, and we put it in these vehicles that yeah. we don't control. Yeah. And we, we have to end up hoping that one day it'll pay off. But we put so much effort and energy yeah. into creating money. Yeah. Now we need to put effort and energy. And it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. But protecting and growing money yeah. with more responsibility. Well, the funny thing is it's like the, the mentality associated with actually you know, creating. Because I'm sure if you were to really go back and look at you know, some of the best days you had in 2015. Okay, what were some of the best work days? Right? Did you, it was a beautiful morning. The weather was nice. You had an awesome night's sleep. Didn't wake up at all. You went to work and you just had a really good and productive day. I'm sure people had at least a handful of those, yeah. hopefully. But then, you know, what, what creeps in? Right. What it's the negative side of life. And I think looking at investments, when a person sees their, you know, go to Monday, if a person sees their their uh, retirement balance go down by 10 percent a day, what does that do to your perfect day? It completely ruins yeah, it. It's a good point. Right. And, and that again, it goes to it goes to loss and what loss does. Um, but as we've you know, again, going back to the business of you, most people, I think if you really talk through the logic, they would understand that they have value. But I wouldn't say that they think that they're their best asset. Right. I hear a ton uh, that 
you know, when individuals do business with us, one of the things they say, now I'm worth more dead than alive, <laughs> right? I've heard it a million, I've heard it a ton of times. Um, you even go to, you know, the, um, it's a wonderful life, right? And when he was kind of going back and trying to get money from, um, from what's his name in the beginning, yeah. from that, uh, that, you know, that Warren look, Buffett yeah. looking guy, yeah. right? He said, you're worth more dead than you're alive because he was talking about his, his insurance, his life insurance policy. Um, but the, the idea is it's not true. It's absolutely not true. And looking at, you know, the human mind, I mean, they've, they've done kind of like quasi valuations on the human mind and it's a billion dollar asset, right? If you really think about it, it is right. Has anything replicated the human mind? Has anything replicated human consciousness? No, there's no computer. I mean, they have quantum computing now that's doing a lot of like artificial intelligence and but you can't replace the human mind. You have you have this asset. We have this asset right now. And what can that asset do? Anything. Right? It can literally do anything. And if you don't believe that, then, I mean, it's just really think about it. Because most people, I think, you know, tend to devalue themselves. I do a lot. Yeah. And But at the same time, look at what I can create. Look at what I've, you know whether it's my family or relationships, what can an idea do? And how can you put yourself in a position to have ideas which can turn into money, which can turn into revenue? Those ideas can happen all the time, every day. But are you putting yourself in the right environment? Do you have the right paradigm? Do you have the right perspective to be able to do that? And really, you know, this whole idea that we're building out in our our launch is, is, uh, or part of it at least, is the business of you, is how can you capitalize on yourself? How can you capitalize on your abilities, right? Because most people, if they're putting money in the market and they're putting money in their 401k, or they're putting money, you know, in a Roth IRA, that that's the only use of that money. And really the use, it isn't even theirs until way into the distant future, right? And it's really in the hands of other people really trying to trade it and gr- and grow it for this person that put it in there. But looking at some of the things that we do, as you capitalize the financial vehicles that we recommend, there's a utilization component where you can use all of it, yeah. right? And you can use it to do a lot of different things. And we, looking at the business of you, it's ways in which you can use your own capital, right? Or use, um, you know, technically speaking, insurance company capital uh, to build your business of you. And what does that mean? I mean, for... I don't, for a business owner, it could mean uh, you know hiring a business coach, right? For uh, an entrepreneur, it could be hiring a virtual assistant. Uh, for a family, right, it could be for the father to you know maybe go back to school or do some executive MBA work or do you know some other type of training. Because what does that do? It, it makes him more. It makes him more valuable. Yeah. And what does that value create? It creates more money. And that's the thing is if you look at you know those types of trainings. I mean, you could probably go get. Um, you know, an executive MBA, you actually got one. So executive MBA for maybe 20, 20, 30 grand, right? 20, 30 grand executive MBA. What would that do to your salary? Right. And I'm not saying that this is what you have to do. Let's negotiate that. (laughs) (laughs) But but what what will that do? Right. So it'll, you know, you put 30 grand into it. You may get a raise of $15,000 that first year. Yeah. Okay. Now you say, oh, I spend 30. Now I have 15. No, that's 15. Every year. Indefinitely. Yep. Okay, so you have a 50% return on investment, then you 100%, and it goes on and on and on and on. Where can you get those types of returns, right, in a financial vehicle, right? It's, has it happened? Sure, right, but how much control do you have over it? And how consistent is it going to be into the future? So that's one of the things that we really get, get into the, the, the grit, you know, the nitty gritty on. It's just envisioned, uh, uh, Oh, what's his name from uh, Nacho Libre? Nacho, oh, Nacho. Yeah, well, Jack. Jack Black. Yeah, Jack Black. Nitty gritty. That's, that's a, don't don't visualize that if you're listening <laughs> <Yeah>. to this. 
<laughs> but my, my point is, is, you know, there's, there's a, a tremendous amount of value and we have an infinite amount of value that's right up between our, our two ears. Right. And I think that, you know, looking at everything that's been created in the world, it's been the result of, of that instrument or that asset that everybody's been given, but nobody really, I'm not saying nobody, but the majority of people are just, they're not schooled or taught to, uh, to optimize it, to continue to grow it because, if they were, I mean, look at what the world w- would look like. Yeah, well, and, and you bring up, you know, just a, a lot of really good points there. You know, one of the things that, that came to mind as you were speaking there, one of the uh, the wealth strategists that works here, Eric McGuire, uh, he had a brother who has since passed less. And if you Google this paper, it's the economic value of certain. He wrote mm-hmm. it back in 2009, 2008, something no, like he, that. No, because he passed away in 2006. Okay, so this so was like before. 2005. Yeah, around there. But it, it's it's an amazing paper. And in that paper, he talks about... You know, he, he gives an analogy and he says, okay, what if you had the most powerful sports car and you knew it had all of this horsepower and you knew, you knew, you know, you knew what it could do and you were excited to drive that car, but you got on the road and on the day of the road or the day that you're going to drive, there was a storm, right? And you've got snow coming down, the potential for black eyes, you know, it's kind of dark and foggy. Even though you've got this powerful car, how are you going to drive it, right? You're going to be scared. You're going to, you're not going to use it to its fullest potential. You're going to drive pretty slow on that road. But if you went to drive that same car on the same day and you were able to look at the road and know that it were clear, sunny conditions, there's no traffic, you're going to floor it, right? Yeah. And Great. I think that happens so much in our life. Financially, we put our money in these vehicles that we don't control and there's so much uncertainty. They might go to the moon and they might go to the ground and we don't know. And so we always approach our lives financially with this set of uh, scarcity, right? What is retirement going to look like? Well, we don't know. When can we retire? We don't know. But if you just shift that around and you put your money in a place where you've got control and you've got economic certainty, it's amazing how much potential that unlocks in your mind. I mean, we've seen it over and over and over with clients. Once we put them in a position and they know what they're going to have, we can chart a clear course for them. We know where they are today. We know what they want. And we're using an instrument that we by and large control. Mm -hmm. We can give them a probable outcome. And then that unlocks their mind to go unleash their internal power. And we've seen so many clients... You know, become real estate investors on the side, start start businesses, businesses on the side, uh, change their employment, go yeah. back to school. It's been yeah. it's amazing that emotional side of things that comes when you know what you have, you yeah. know how you can use it, and you can unlock your potential with yeah. it. I think it was I, I think we talked about this with uh, a few podcasts back with Brad, but as Brad told you about the client that uh, he was like delivering pizzas, this was like years and years ago. But since then, um, he's. He uh, like he's done a bunch of stuff with um, uh, Uber. Like he has, I think he has four Uber cars now. Nice. So he does it himself, but he's he's bought cars and he and he takes a you know a a, a percentage off of three other drivers. Um, he has like two homes and Airbnbs, like bedrooms and all. And so he's making like seven times the amount of money he was making with Brad. Anyway, the the idea is that potential always existed in that guy, right? It always it always did. But what did it take to really? bring out of him the the ideas it's sometimes it's a conversation sometimes yeah. it's a book sometimes yeah. it's a it's a movie right but in the end what does it all come down to it comes down to what are you filling your brain with yeah right and in the end you know the point of today was to really focus on you know the the negative events of what happened with china right the the unfortunate circumstances that led to you know the 2008-2009 debacle, um, and with you know the whole idea of the of the big short and how those you know private equity guys knew it was coming, shorted the real estate market, and then all you know hell ensued when they were trying to collect their money. And I mean the point of the point of doing that is that's a world that you don't have to participate in, right? It exists, and most people are participating in it, but you don't have to. And but at the same time, there's always a trade-off. 
Okay. You have to think differently, right? You have to have a different paradigm, a different perspective, right? You may need to take on additional responsibility. There may be additional discipline that's required. Okay. But the trade-off you have everything, uh, everything is on your shoulders as far as the outcome. Yeah. And that is a much better bet than relying on somebody that, you know, that's on Wall Street trying to figure out what trade to make that day. Well, you've got one life to live. We've got one, one day to make a change. We've got one retirement. And yeah, you can go into your golden years and then maybe go back to work. But if you've, you know, capitalize on it, right? I mean, this is not something that we can go and, and just push the restart button and, and go and do over again. Learn the lessons, whatever those lessons might be for you, and act on them. Get to that higher level of thinking and, and find new solutions to the same problems that are just being regurgitated and recycled over and over and over in this modern market. Yep. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to continue to happen. And it's awesome to talk about these, these headlines. I mean, I, I find just the financial world uh, fascinating just yeah. because of how complicated it is and how big it is and how, you know, things move so, so quickly. Um, I had, so my, my neighbor used to be a, a trader on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and we had a, a we, man, we, ho- we hosted this like progressive dinner this this past weekend which i didn't volunteer i mean i, I didn't really know what it was going <laughs> to be you showed up to it i had to sh- i had to show it. so we had the, the desserts we had all these people at that are at the house but this guy we, we talked for 2 hours about just all of his experience on the chicago mercantile exchange and this was like 30 years ago mm. right and it's just, it's the same thing it's, it's the same thing how- as what's going on today and he's like you have no idea and i'm like well okay maybe i don't but it was it, you know he's like it's worse today than it was that it was then well it's amazing how jaded those people are the ones on the inside realize how messed up it really is. And there's a really interesting part in that movie where, what's his name, Steve Carell? Yeah. Realizes how just, I mean, how totally underhanded and ambiguous and and corrupted the market is mm-hmm. and how global and widespread it is. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there and he, he, when he realizes that, he just puts his head on the table and he's he's about to cry. I mean, yeah, does, he does, right. goes, goes right. home and he cries and he realizes, yeah. man, millions of people are suffering because of all of this underhanded, shady, yep. corrupted stuff going on. Yep. And at, uh, we find that so much, and Andy Tanner does a great job explaining it. We're always the last ones. I mean, the people who put their money in the market, everyone else gets paid, everyone else takes their, their cut off the top, win, lose, or draw, yep. and we get whatever's left over. Yeah, Main Street is the one that is that that, that uh, gets handed the ball at the yep. end. It all gets passed on. It's the water bucket. Yep. Right? It's all filled, and it just gets emptied, 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 and you get the empty water, the water bucket. Because in the end, what what uh, what happened with the bailout? Right? Who is on the hook for the for the bailout? No one. Right? Well, the American Main Street was. Main Street right? was. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the ones who corrupted the system. There they was a, a slap blank, on the got, wrist. They got pretty much a blank check. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it was insane just the amount of bonuses that were paid out in those couple of years. Yeah. But who's on the who's on the hook for it? Most again, this goes into a totally different conversation. But who's on the hook for it? Right. That you know that it was eight hundred billion. It was seven hundred billion dollars. That doesn't just it, it comes from nowhere. But it doesn't disappear, right? Right. It comes from nothing. I mean, it was a, essentially a blank, a blank check, right? But where, how is that we all paid pay for that? Yeah, that's that's taxes, right? Well, that's treasuries that's, that have to be paid back, which is all paid back through through tax revenue. And who creates the tax revenue? We do. On a very local level, that was my two family members that came out of that movie and realized, man, they're two years away from retirement, and they're not any better off than they were back in two thousand. Yeah. yeah, and inflation too. I mean, all the money that's been printed over the last. I mean, who know? It, it really hasn't. You know, there's been a lot of devaluation um, 
because of, you know, just people selling, yeah. selling stuff and not, you know, using leverage. But at the same time, if there is inflation, now we pay through that for with higher higher prices that we that we come out of pocket with. So yeah. in the end, you know, Main Street is the one that is really uh, on the hook for a lot of the behavior that's going on. So for, for those of you who are listening for like the first time, you probably think we're crazy, number one. <laughs> so we have a website where you can learn a lot more. And we have, um, it's, it's several years old now. I think it's about to complete its three-year anniversary. But our e-learning program online um, called Infinite 101 is absolutely free. You can you can access it. and has a lot of tutorials about what we do and about what our philosophy is. But we do have a new website, a new e-learning program, a new learning management system that's going to be coming out this quarter. It is... It, it, idea, we're we're in the you know we have all the ideas down now. It's just actually creating yeah. it, but it looks awesome. We're really excited to and Ryan Ryan's helping uh, quite a bit with uh, the creation of a lot of the the tutorials and e learning and the content. So it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So stay tuned for that. But for those of you who are listening for the first time, um, we. We have a lot of information that creates context behind kind of our perspective and philosophy, uh, and that is uh, completely free. We also have a number of, of past episodes. Um, actually, so, dude, I, I didn't tell you this, so I'll, I'll post this on the show notes. Nick, can you remind me to put this on the show notes? Um, but one of the first podcasts that we ever did. So uh, Ryan Bradshaw, who does our, our does our podcast, um, he he lived in Puerto Rico for, for a number of years and operated everything out of there. But he came back, came back to Utah, and he had a picture of of one of the first podcasts of me, <laughs> dude. And I look like I'm like 10, 10 years old. So I'm going to post that. I'm going to post that on the, on the, uh, on the show notes. So everyone can see a, a picture of the, one of the original, original podcasts. A little bit older and wiser today, huh? I don't know. Ma- older. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for sticking with us to the, uh, the end of the podcast. Appreciate uh, you listening. Um, again, to go to uh, the wellstandardradio.com or the wellstandard.com uh, to access everything. Uh, also, we have a tab on our website, Paradigm Life. Dot net uh, and the most recent show is typically on there. Plus, there's links to uh, the live broadcast on TuneIn. There's links to um, uh, the Well Standard Show, the links to iTunes, etc. But I'd uh, love to have you go on and, and listen to more if you uh, are listening for this for the for the first uh, first time. Uh, also, if you do like what you hear, uh, ratings are really are really huge these days on iTunes and getting the the word out. So if you like what you hear, definitely go on to iTunes and give us a give us a good shout out, give us a good rating. That would be uh, much appreciated. But uh, thanks. Hope everyone is uh, starting the year off the right way. Uh, hope you guys uh, have some really awesome and ambitious goals for this year. And uh, we wish you all the best. And we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show your gold standard in everything financial.